0: Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about anxiety and the need to control your child or children. So when I came across this topic from our guest, I thought, wow, I totally relate to that because have I gone head-to-head, will-to-will with one or both of my kids in the past? Yes, I have. Have I felt like I needed to control things? Yes, I have. And have I let my anxiety help or or run that desire to control things? Yes, I have. So when I came across Olivia Bergeron wanting to talk about this topic, I thought this is something I can relate to and I feel like I'm not alone, that many other people can as well. So we go into this conversation about does controlling really help? Does the strategy backfire? And does anxiety actually have a purpose? And what are some better strategies to help our child find their way instead of us trying to control? So as I mentioned, I have Olivia Bergeron on. She is a psychotherapist and a parenting coach specializing in helping clients feel proud of their parenting from pregnancy through the teen years. She has been helping parents since 2005 and Olivia offers psychotherapy to clients in New York, New Jersey, Florida, and parenting coaching to folks worldwide. She's got a lot of knowledge. She's incredibly smart, and I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Now, before we get to that, I just wanted to give some updates of what's happening at Prenatal Yoga Center. We are continuously adding more classes, so check our online. We currently have and plan to continue to have an online class available Every day. And then we have what we call re releases. So if you can't make the live class or the in studio, we release the morning class twice throughout the day so that you can still participate and still get everything you want out of the class. We actually had a student yesterday for the postnatal. She popped on saying, I'm going to watch the re release, but I want to work on neck and shoulders. Can you put that into class? And I did. So we've had people email, I'm not going to be able to make the class. I'm going to watch the re release. Can you work on hips? And so we do. So your needs are still met by just letting us know what you're interested in doing. So that's what's happening for our online and our in-studio classes. And we're getting into more of our teacher training. So as I record this, we're finishing off our winter online teacher training, our prenatal yoga teacher training, revving up for our in-person teacher training, which I'm so excited about. And then we've got a online postnatal teacher training. We only do that once a year, our online postnatal teacher training. So if you're interested in that, check that out from our website. And I think that's it. So we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Olivia. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Olivia. How are you? I'm doing excellently. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm really excited. So we've kind of circled around each other in the New York perinatal community. So this is the first time I've really chatted with you, and I'm excited. You've got so much knowledge. So thanks for being my guest. I'm so happy to be here. So let's jump in and I'd love to learn a little bit about you and what brought you to your work working with parents.
1: Yeah, well, I've been a therapist since 2005, Um, but when I had my own children, my daughter was two when my twins were born, uh, it really became abundantly clear that there was just a lack of support for parents in general, Um, but also a dearth of professionals that actually um, get where parents are coming from, frankly. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you live in this area. There are an awful lot of therapists or there are parent coaches out there, but I think if you're not taking into account the specific context of having a child, um, and doing it during a pandemic to boot, <laughs> uh, I just think you're missing a really big piece. So I do focus a lot on, um, work a bit more holistically than most, and that I look at people's self-care, um, just because I think that the self-care tends to go out the window with parents. I don't know about in your experience, but yeah. I think we can kind of martyr ourselves
0: Absolutely. In fact, I was just talking to my husband about that this morning, that my self-care is taking a shower by myself. Like that is that is it sometimes. So I totally understand counts. that. So what is the parenting philosophy that guides you in your work with parents?
1: Yeah, so I, like I mentioned, I was a psychotherapist, um, and then when I was working with folks, they would come back to me, Uh, they would say, I'm doing fine, you know, my anxiety is under control, but now my child is tantruming and I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. uh, or I know what not to do. <laughs> I don't want to parent the way that I was parented. Um, so I was trained by Laura Markham, and she wrote Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, uh, and she lives here in Brooklyn, and she's great, but I find that her parenting philosophy really um makes a lot of sense. And that is basically that you have to uh, have self-regulation. So you don't want to throw gas on your child's fire. You want to throw water. And in order to do that, you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can approach things calmly. Um, you connect with your child before you correct them. So you're doing that preventive maintenance. You're making sure that that relationship is strong with your child. Um, and then you, you coach them, but you don't control them. Now, your child is is has control over themselves. You're in charge of them, of course um but the idea is that your 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 responsibility is to help them help them through by coaching them and not trying to um you know get get controlling and and enforce your your point of view on them
0: so i'd love to go back to what you said about the self regulation so if a child is cuz i have this i have a son that has ADHD and regulation is something we're working on so yeah. if someone has a child that is unregulated and a parent may also have those tendencies what is the first step then for everyone tampering that fire down?
1: Well, I think first of all is, is acknowledging what your triggers are, whether it's a certain time of day or a certain activity. Uh, I find generally it's around transitions mm-hmm. that, that go off the rails. So getting up, getting dressed, uh, mealtimes, bath times, bedtimes, getting out the door. Those are times when our agendas tend to clash. So if you can acknowledge, first of all, you can cope in advance knowing that, okay, I know that generally speaking, when I ask my child to put his coat on, I get a lot of pushback. So, how do I engage him in a way that is? I'm getting his cooperation that he wants to go along with what I'm saying, so that you can make it into a game. You can be lighthearted about it, but but primarily, you want to make sure that 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 the relationship with your child is strong, so that he wants to preserve it. He doesn't want to disappoint you. Um, so, I also think that if there are um, certain situations that you feel like you are um, particularly triggered or upset, you know, making sure you're taking a pause, slow mm-hmm. things down. I think a, a lot of parents feel a lot of urgency. Um, I need to get this done right now. <laughs> when actually, if you, you zoom out a little bit, you know, it's not a big deal if you're a little bit late, if things are a little bit, you know, slowed down. Um, so I think it's, it's you know, prioritizing your relationship over uh this urgency, this the this, this sense of obligation that I have to do these certain things, you know, right this minute.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And something I'm excited that we're going to get into is that idea of, Controlling and anxiety and feeling, um, Mm -hmm. letting the anxiety find control. I was actually speaking to my prenatal and postnatal class about this conversation we're having and it was really interesting. Those that were Pregnant for the first time, they're like, oh yeah, I never thought of that. And then I had a bunch of people in class that had already one or two kids and toddler age. And they're like, there is really a control struggle and Mm -hmm. they were really interested. They're like, when is this going to come out? So I would love to talk a little bit about how parents feel that maybe it's more of a guidance than a control. So why do parents, in your opinion, become controlling?
1: Well, I think it's easy to get into a power struggle with our kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we're convinced that we know what's right and they don't. Um, and I think this desire to control oftentimes is motivated by anxiety. You know, if you're out, out and about, well, people are judging me because my child isn't, isn't getting in the stroller. Um, and so we feel judged. We feel, um, constricted by, by, by that sense of, again, people are watching me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, get the sense that with, with parents, um, you know, there's such a high amount of pressure on us. We we want to get things right. Mm-hmm. So the stakes feel so high, so that amps up our own anxiety. So it feels like, um, you know, that th- this has to be done. There's only one way to do things, um, and it's my way. <laughs> so, um, you know, your, your child, whether you're three or 33, doesn't want to be told what to do, frankly. Um, and so children and all people, I think, will push back against that. That's why coming alongside them, you know, as opposed to coming at them uh trying to impose your will on them and trying you know either trying to break their will or to you know force them to do things oftentimes backfires and then i think it leads to things taking a lot longer in the long run frankly yeah um so but you really hit to... on
0: that idea of the judgment cuz i think back to when i was a parent and like you said getting into the stroller and then there it does feel that way i remember being like the tot lots in riverside park and trying to get mm-hmm. my son in the stroller and became exactly what you said it's like um a war of the wills and his will against my will. And I did totally feel judged that I couldn't get my kid in the stroller. So can you talk a little bit about how possibly to let go of, I maybe mean, this is be too big of a question, but <laughs> how to let go of the judgment and then how to not have it be a war of the wills.
1: I think looking at what's, what's truly really important, you know, the the the, 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 the opinion of the people in the park and, and the scheme of things really matter.
0: No. no, but at that moment, it <laughs> feels like, oh, they're going to judge me. I'm a bad mom. I can't get my kid in the stroller.
1: But, but, but acknowledging when you have that voice, that, 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 excuse me, that, that comes to you that says, you know, oh, gosh, I'm being judged. Everyone's watching me. Um, I think that you can, that, that can prompt a whole lot of anxiety in this cascade of uh, getting more and more rigid mm-hmm. as opposed to, all right, what do I need right now? What does my child need right now? <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. and and really acknowledging what it is that, that, again, what the child needs in that moment, and how do I give that to him, as opposed to, I need to get the approval of these people in the park. Uh, I'm prioritizing how they feel over how my child is doing, or what I feel is right. Mm -hmm. You know, again, in the scheme of things, what these people, what their opinions are, really has has no bearing on you. Right. But if, if if you're governing your behavior in a way that you're kind of doing it for an audience, um, I think it's always going to feel like you're falling short because you're not going to feel genuine or authentic to you, right? So
0: realizing that controlling is not the best thing. So how do you typically see children respond when the parents are trying to overly control them?
1: Well, it becomes a power struggle, frankly. And so you know, you 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 push on your child, and your child pushes back, right? Uh, and generally, things get get pretty messy because they get heated. Uh, you know, your child is frustrated, you're frustrated, maybe it elevates into and, and anger. Uh, and then you say or do something you regret. Um, and then ultimately you've got to go back and prepare, uh, which again, in the scheme of things takes a lot longer than just pausing in the moment. And, and instead of going down that, that path, um, looking at what actually would be more effective. And that is, what does my child need? So can you, you know, talk and, and then, through...
0: So I keep thinking about, I get it's a power struggle and I'm sure a lot of parents are thinking it's a power struggle, but where do you, how do you give up that it's a power struggle and still try to guide? Can you maybe give an example of say kids not getting in the stroller? What is the, or let's go with something you have to, it's a stroller, maybe that's not as big a deal, but it's like you have to get them out the door for an appointment or school or Mm -hmm. something. And there is a tantrum so how how would you work through that
1: well first of all hopefully you've seen that tantrum building up and, and and you find ways to find the off-ramp right you know as a get a sense okay i know where this is headed <laughs> uh and if you keep pushing and doing what you're doing it's just going to prompt you again you, you know where this is going to wind up where your right. child is going to be on the floor you know kind of banging his head on the floor <laughs> um and uh, if you if you can identify uh, identify earlier as soon as you can, that you can see where this is going and figure out how do I change tracks. I think one way, you know, a rule of thumb is what is truly important in this moment? You know, do we need to, does he have to, you know, put his shoes on, the shoes that I picked out, or can he wear his sandals in the winter? <laughs> um, as long as he's got some kind of shoes on his feet, I'm going to bring his sneakers with him. So if he wants to go outside, he's going to see that actually it's, it's quite cold outside. Maybe I do want those boots or those sneakers instead. Um, it's not a um, he's not losing face. I think a lot of parents feel like, you know, I'm right. And if I, if I backtrack or if I, uh, you know, kind of capitulate quote unquote, um, then somehow I'm losing face. And and that's not, um, that's the last thing they want to do. They want to lose their authority. Instead. I think it's, I think you can compromise with your child in a way that is, um, yeah, respectful. And also, you know, I think you can say something to the effect of goodness, you really want to wear those shoes. I hear you. I'm concerned that it's really cold outside so what can we do about this? So you're trying to help them work out, you know, instead of getting stuck in the problem, you know, gosh, these shoes, I you put these shoes on, your kid's not putting these shoes on, I'm so upset, and then kind of things get escalated. Taking a beat and working with your child as opposed to against him. You know, power struggle is really, you know, it's like, it takes two. And if one of you steps out, hopefully, you know, the adult has a bit more presence of mind and is able to say, you know what, um, and sometimes you're not gonna be able to compromise. You know, your child has to put their seatbelt on. that that, That's not a, you know, there's no negotiation there. But you can use empathy. You can understand. You can see it from their point of view. You know, I really see, you really don't want to put that seatbelt on. I get it. You feel like it's uncomfortable. I hear you. You have to put it on. And how can we make it more comfortable for you? You see, it's a way of kind of uh, working with your child as opposed to against them. And as, I mean, again, you are the authority. You are the parent. And I'm not mistaking, I think sometimes parents get into a uh a place where they start to, uh, feel like the child is in, in control. Right. So they obviate their own authority because they either don't want to be mean or they don't want to be punitive or they don't want to have a fight. Uh, so they just let the child have whatever it is that they're asking for, even if it's inappropriate. Now you want candy for breakfast? I really don't want to fight. So, okay, here you go. Uh, knowing that your child's behavior later on in the day is not going to be so hot because of the, you know, the sugar rush. Um, so I, I think that is having a certain kind of quiet confidence as a parent and not, not feeling like, gosh, I'm always second guessing myself.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So when a parent does try to overly control, why does this strategy backfire besides going into a bigger tantrum? Or is that, is that the main thing? Does it, does it affect the relationship and and confidence and trust in one another?
1: Well, I think no one wants to be controlled. No one wants to be told what to do. And instead, if you can work with this, you know, working on this as a team, I want to help you. If that's the mindset, how do I help Um, I think that can really go a long way as opposed to, I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm right and I don't want to hear any lip about it. (laughs) So do what I say, you know, and that's it. You know, again, I think it's much more, and again, I think you can fast forward into the future and you want your child to be able to question uh, when things don't feel right to them in a respectful way. So I think that as opposed to, you know, some higher up tells them to do something That, that it's not ethical or not legal. And they're just going to do it because that's been the mindset growing up because you you listen to authority without question. It is hard for
0: parents to hear that because I feel like from generation to generation, that has changed
1: and evolved quite a bit. Yeah. I think we want our children to be able to think. Yeah. I agree. And not like blind. Um, and then that's why, I mean, we have, you know, sometimes parents have kids that have very strong wills. And, and I always say that, you know, that will help. These are children that will not be bullied, but they're very challenging to parents. Yes, I have one of those. Because there are certain things. <laughs> okay, that's fair. A lot of folks do you know, alone. Um, but I think again, if you try to force somebody to do something, you're going to get much more resistance, as opposed to let, let's work together to accomplish this. Uh, you know, soliciting their opinions, soliciting their their feedback, and maybe their, their their points of view about how to do things. In is you know, in as much as is uh, reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, your three year old might have very you know, wild ideas about, <laughs> about how to do things. Uh, and you can listen to them and you can acknowledge that and say, hmm, okay, you know, I'll take that under advisement. But, you know, we're going to do it this way today. And let's try to incorporate some of the things that, that you maybe you like, um, you know, listening to a song that you like in the car as opposed to NPR <laughs> as, as some incentive for a, <laughs> Have Can't you been in my car? Down. That's exactly what we listen to. Yeah, like... no, I hear you.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, one thing I want to talk about was anxiety. And that was, I know you had an article on that that caught my eye, which is why we're having this conversation. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. Let's talk about how anxiety plays into the the need to control or the desire to control. We'll be right back. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, so let's open this up about how do you see anxiety coming into the desire to control?
1: Well, I think folks and parents in particular um, want to make sure they're doing the right thing. And so because the stakes feel high, they feel like uh, it has to be done a certain way. Um, and that leads us to feel pretty anxious. As you mentioned, you know, in the park, if you feel like everyone's watching you, uh, it feels like uh, I'm being judged, I'm being criticized. So it feeds into the sense of anxiety. Um, and, and I get the sense that with parents who are... Desperate to have some kind of an approval. Uh, you know, being a parent is pretty thankless. Literally. You're not gonna hear thank you for a long time. Um, and so it can be really difficult to ascertain am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? Which I think feeds into this anxiety of of um, you know, again, is is this am I messing my child up? (laughs) Mm Um and I think it is it is really counterproductive because oftentimes, you know, uh at least with the folks that I work with, they're anxious about being anxious. You know, they they feel like this is getting in the way, and it kind of creates its own its own spin, its own turmoil for them. Um, but it is it is you can use it as a sign. You know, if you're, if you are feeling anxious, um, you know that can be a flag. Okay, let me let me take a pause here. Let me let me let me step back and look at what's actually going on, and 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 figure out you know do I want to continue doing what I'm doing?
0: Well, what are some of the signs of anxiety that people may not even realize they have anxiety?
1: Oftentimes, uh, you acknowledge the physical symptoms before you realize, uh, you know, kind of what, what got you there. So I'll find with folks, you know, their, their shoulders are get tight or they might kind of have their shoulders go up to their ears. Um, their stomach hurts. So they feel like their stomach is dropping. Um, they start to get achy or a headache. Um, the throat gets dry. So there's certain like physical symptoms of anxiety or, or you know, the heart rate is increased. The blood pressure's up. So they're feeling like they're kind of racing. Um, you know, they go into fight or flight. Basically. And unfortunately, when you're in fight or flight or freeze, your prefrontal cortex shuts down. So you're not thinking clearly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all about survival. So you're not thinking, um, you know, rationally or reasonably. Uh, and so that doesn't really lead to such great outcomes with kids. I find <laughs> when you're in a parenting situation, when you're feeling that, that anxiety start to build. So is there any time that
0: anxiety can serve a purpose and my husband actually talked about this a lot because I feel like I fall into the category of anxiety and I use it when I think about it in my business and feeling a little anxious about something it actually sometimes helps me refocus and mm-hmm. look okay where and I call it, like where are there leaks in the plan where am I gonna fix mm-hmm. those leaks So I don't know if that's anxiety causing that or just I don't know but it feels like anxiety so is there ever, a time where anxiety can serve a purpose. <laughs> and you might be like, no, actually there is never, which is fine. <laughs> I'm curious. But
1: you're using it as, as, as a cue to, okay, let me, let me step back and make sure I'm, I'm on the right path. Right. And if I'm worried that I'm somehow getting off path, what can I do about it? So, you know, I liken it to, instead of getting stuck in the problem, you focus on problem solving. Um, you know, I'm a visual person. So I imagine you come across kind of, you know, a muddy patch. Do I, do I walk through it? um, or, or or actually, do I want to just go around it? And the idea is that you don't want to get stuck in the, in the muck. You want to go around it. Like, I acknowledge it's there. I'm not pretending it's not there. Anyway, it, it's it's a sign. Your, your brain is trying to help you. It's trying to prevent you from suffering. And I think it's possible to acknowledge it and say, okay, thanks, but no thanks. This is not an emergency. I've got this.
0: So when you're working with your clients who are trying to control and are doing it from anxiety, what is the first step? them? Is it just acknowledging it? Is it breathing? How can they start to dismantle that
1: habitual reaction? Well, I think acknowledging, you know, what are your triggers? Is it a certain time of day? Is it a certain person you have to interact with? Is it a certain activity? And then coping in advance. Okay. I know this person triggers me. What can I do to make sure that I'm in a better state of mind? That it doesn't feel so urgent. That it doesn't feel so important. You know, it's, 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 I think it's, it's that level of self-care is, is, is key. In other words, we want to teach this to our kids as well, right? When they're encountering a situation that they feel is is, is stressful, we want to help them to game it out, look at how things might go and figure out what it is I need in that moment to make me feel the most confident, most secure, mm-hmm. best able to handle it. So some of that is kind of, you know, base level, making sure you're getting enough sleep, for instance, <laughs> making sure you're taking care of yourself, you know, circling back to self-care. Um, if that base is in, in place, I think it makes things a lot easier to deal with.
0: And that makes a lot of sense. So what are some better strategies to get kids to do what we ask them to do? Because there there does need to be some sort of guidance and path to go along. Sure. It can't just be free all mm-hmm. all day.
1: Right, right. Well, I think um if, if there's any takeaway from this, I hope people get that empathy is is key you know and that doesn't mean you agree with your child but it means you understand where they're coming from and if you can cultivate that sense of ah oh, okay i you know i see their point of view um, that that ultimately i think is exceptionally helpful um, as opposed to why are they doing this to me um, why are they giving me such a hard time i think empathy allows you to see they're having a hard time they're not giving you a hard time um, some of the strategies that i think that are really effective is like i mentioned before that preventive maintenance so making sure you're connecting daily with your child Well, can you give some examples of that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Laura Markham calls it special time, getting one-on-one time with your child, uh, you know, at least 20 minutes where the phone is off, everything is away and you're really focusing 100% on your child. You're not checking email or or watching your text. Um, that, that is gold because your child feels like, ah, you know, you're filling their cup basically. You're giving them that, that concentrated dose of attention, um, which allows them to want to go along. basically. You know, I want to maintain this warm sense that I have with mom. So when she's asking me to make the bed and I'm not really keen to make the bed, well, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, it's it's that kind of a mentality. But it's a lot of the, you know, things that you're doing in advance to lay the groundwork. So that when you do hit a rough, a rough patch, um, you can navigate that with a sense of calm and confidence. Um, I think too, you know, just basic things, getting your child laughing. When you have that laughter when you're sharing laugh together that that really you know fosters that sense of connection um, but frankly, if children are pushing back a lot, oftentimes they just need to cry. they've got something on you know on their on their minds that they've been carrying around all day um, and frankly, uh, you know, I get a lot of folks that come to me saying, "You know my child is an angel with everybody else. Why is it with me all of a sudden you know the wheels come off and I get a meltdown or I get that tantrum?" Um, and my answers to that is that your child trusts you. Mm -hmm. They've been toting this all day and they see that, you know, they have a warm shoulder to lean on and they know that you're going to be receptive. You're not going to run away. So they can, they can unload. They can show you all the hurt and the pain and the fear.
0: And it seems like this, my kids are a little older, um, eight and 11, and it's, this is the same stuff I've been hearing for years and still trying to plant the seeds, still trying to have. One on one time with them, and creating the safe place for them to come to, and yes, sometimes getting the the tantrums that no one else is getting. So it seems like the foundation we lay with the relationship from the beginning really is the foundation for continuing. If I'm correct,
1: absolutely, but it's also never too late. You know, uh, again, I've had folks come to me and their their kids are teenagers, and they feel like you know, is is it too late? And, and it really never is. I think there's always time to, to forge that connection. Um, and, and that's what really kids need to feel it. you know, you're on their side. But you guys are ultimately, you're on the same team. It's not opposing sides. Even though it doesn't always
0: feel that way, we're on the same team. We're battling with, uh, phones and screen, screen time at my house right now. Not the, probably not the problems that's most of our listeners who have younger children, but yeah, we have to remind ourselves we're on the same team. So. Which
1: Sorry, it's just that that allows children to feel like again, that, that despite them not agreeing with what you're asking them to do, they're more willing to do it. So what are ways we can take
0: care of ourselves so that we can parent in a way we'll feel proud of?
1: Yes, this is this is really key. And unfortunately, a lot of parents I find will kind of martyr themselves. Unfortunately, uh, they put themselves last on the list. And I really don't think that self-care is selfish. I think it's critical. And so what does that really look like? I mean, just brass tacks. I mean, are you drinking enough water? Dehydration can make you feel depressed. Um, are you eating regularly? Are you eating quality foods or are you just kind of catching stuff on the fly? You know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, are you still taking vitamins and fish oil pills? Um, which by the way, makes you drink more water. (laughs) Um, it's a side benefit. Uh, are you sleeping well? You know, looking at people's sleep hygiene, I always, you know, my first session with clients, inevitably, you know, we look at self-care and a big component is sleep hygiene. Um, Are they sleeping properly? Because sleep, you know, if you're not sleeping well, everything is harder. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, think ways to have fun. What do you do for fun? You know, kind of writ small, obviously, it's not doing anything like jumping on a plane someplace exotic. Um, It's about what can I do? You know, small things, but small things you can do often. Because unfortunately, no one's going to hand that to you on a platter as a parent. I wish they would. Um, but I think you owe it to yourself to do things for yourself that make you feel good.
0: These are really important. I have to say while you're talking, I grabbed my water. I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I've been chewing too much coffee all morning. I have the water sitting there and I keep grabbing the coffee. So thank you for that reminder <laughs> of the hydration. I, I didn't know that dehydration can um, cause
1: depression. That's an interesting... Well, when you think about it, you know, it slows down your systems. Uh, and the, the depression is really about, again, kind of the things become more and more challenging. The, 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 the comes harder to act because you're feeling dulled, you're feeling slowed down. And so, you know, it, it kind of feeds into the that sense of being, being low. Now here's a question
0: also. If we're talking about anxiety and the parent's anxiety in self-care, I'm assuming also in your the therapist, I'm assuming you're you'd be very much on this point. What about the idea that the parent, if they're having a lot of anxiety, should seek their own help and support for that so that when they're with their child or parenting, that the anxiety has a little bit more of a container?
1: Well, I think it's really critical to, to model for your kids. So, you know, if you're anxious and you feel like you're modeling to your children that this is this is how you handle that anxiety, you know, you get wound up, you get tight, tense, you start to yell at people, um, you get more rigid. Well, guess what your child's gonna do when they're anxious? So I do think that if you're able to, to work on your own anxiety and your own therapy or, or if you want to use exercise or, um ways to, you know, but looking at that as, as an important component to your own self-care because, um I think it is meaningful. I think it does pay dividends. And I think if you, you showed other people and to yourself that, you know, I, I do, it is important that I take care of myself. Um, and like I mentioned, that, that's really modeling for your child. You don't need to be a martyr. Um, and I think that that, that, you know, unconditional self, you know, unconditional love that we want to convey to our children has to start with us.
0: Mm-hmm. I you totally, love. totally agree.
1: Okay. We're going to take another break, but when we come
0: back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new or expectant parents? We'll be right back. So you are a parent, you are a therapist, you work in the perinatal world. Is there something that is popping into your head that you want to leave as the final golden nugget?
1: Be kind to yourself. I really think that a lot of parents judge themselves so harshly and feel like they're failing out of the gate, um, which ultimately is, is not helpful for you or your child. So focusing on, um, you know, what what is it I need right now to take care of myself? Um, and I think, too, acknowledging this is hard. Parenting is challenging, yeah. no doubt and it's not like everyone else has it figured out except for you. you know I think that that acknowledgement is important because it allows you to see that okay, you know I'm connected because I'm part of a community'm part of you know it's it's i'm not, I'm not alone, I think the feeling of being alone can really fire up people's anxiety and their sense of oh this is this is challenging in a way that i I can't handle
0: right. Yeah, I think the support, like the support of a community, the support of others and recognizing they're not alone is huge. Where can
1: people find your work? Yeah, folks are welcome to reach out to me uh, for a consultation or sh- just to say hi. Uh, I've got a website called MommyGroove.com. Uh, folks are welcome to, to reach me there. I'm also on Instagram at Olivia.Bergeron.nyc. Well, perfect. We will put all that
0: in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about something I think many parents feel they're struggling with, the whole control issue. And you really gave some great insight that it's not about control, it's about communication. So I think those are really good thoughts. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.